Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And just like that, round one of the NRL season for the 2021 season is in the books. Boxhead, what did you think? It was good. Good to have the footy back. Uh, enjoyable, yeah. I thought the games, there were a lot of blowouts. I think there was only two games that were 1-12 to for our margin punters. But uh, no, it was just good to have the footy back. Enjoyed it. 100%. Nothing went out better. To the Panthers game, so. Mm-hmm. Nice good. to see a packed house. Was packed or all? Uh, we, we were lucky enough we got in for round one last year before the weirdness of COVID kicked off. And then after round two, it was closed. And there's a few final games, obviously. It was all socially distanced and checkered patterned yeah, each row and half capacity, etc. But uh, it was very, very nice to be back at a loaded uh, venue. And particularly a red-hot Penrith team that last year would have packed that joint out. They certainly did so in round one. Absolutely, yeah, it was good. So it was a very, very good time round one there. Hopefully everyone's team did well if they didn't. Hopefully, round two, things are better for you. Jumping into what we usually do on a week-to-week basis if you're new to the fifth and last NRL podcast this year is the set of six, six topics, discussion, opinion, anything we want to talk about. Number one, big talking point for a lot of people. Said for a long time now, it's something that doesn't really need to be addressed until um, it's finally decided upon. But today, Joseph Sawali was cleared to play before his 18th birthday. Um... There's a lot of arguments both ways, and I can understand all sides of the argument. I look at this situation and think in the past, and I was trying to think, well, I've been alive, cases that would apply and how that play's played out and, you know, were they physically ready, mentally ready, etc. The nearest example I can think of in my time, or even from my age group kind of playing, would be Tamalolo, who played, I yeah, think... Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is that there's a rule. And they've now made an exemption for the rule. Yeah, I so, think the only defence I can kind of give is this administration is not the one who brought the rule in. Don't care. Um, so I so scrap the rule. Yeah, well, that's my point. I don't think, rather than give an exemption, if they don't agree with the rule... How about Jordan Rankin? How'd that one work out? Like, for every every <laughs> one that everyone's going to bark on about that worked, there's plenty that don't. But there's plenty of guys that play New South Wales Cup that never, never go on. There's plenty of guys that play flag that don't go on. Like... The rule was obviously brought in for a reason. What was the reason? And if that reason isn't valid or we disagree with that reason, then get rid of the rule. Yeah. Don't make an exemption. Just say either either the rule is there and no player should override it. Yep. Because there's obviously a point, and, and the point was long-term athlete development, you know, protection of um, growth and physical development, and all those, all those things. There were reasons why they brought the rule in. Pressures of it. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff, right? Yeah. We had suicides, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to make an exception for one player and then two players and then the rule's got holes all through it. So just get rid of it. 
get rid of the rule. It's it's made this is now made a farce of it, and whether people like it or not, it's got the rub of well, the roosters again, the roosters get a you know a favour, and you know it's all it's all about the roosters, which I don't totally agree with, but I can see how that fans of other clubs get that perspective or have that perspective. Mm. Well, in all honesty, I think I don't know if it has anything to do with just the fact that saying, well, you can play before your 18th birthday and the whole argument about going to rugby union or staying in the league and not being restrained. Go. All Go. that, to me, is you know just hullabaloo because you look at the Rooster situation, this is the other part for me, they don't need him right now. If you watched them on the weekend, they were red hot. You've got Manu, both the Morris are still in very good form. Tupo, who made the origin side at the back end of last year. I think in their situation, they're not doing this to use him right now. I think this is preempting the fact he is good enough if they do get an injury or origin time comes around, Tupo does leave, so they put him in. But even then again, they may hold off until his 18th birthday. I don't necessarily think they're going to throw him in next week like some people think is the case. But I'm with you. More the fact that if they're going to have an exemption on this rule, the bigger part when people were saying, well, why are they doing so? It was a different administration that brought it in. But if you don't agree with it, scrap it. But at the same time, if you look into the reasoning, as you've said, as to why it was brought in, and you agree with that, well, then I think they should stick to the rule. But yeah, yeah move on. Yeah, uh, there's arguments for both sides that you're never going to please everybody. That's for but sure. There but there shouldn't be two sides. It should be black and white. Now there's grey, so don't have the rule. All right, tackle two in our set of six for this week. The rules, and uh, there's been some different opinions after round one. Obviously, not the greatest sample size, but what were your thoughts? Do you think anything was a negative? Some people are bringing up the fact that uh, they thought injuries increased due to fatigue and other things and decision making some people happy with the refereeing some referees they weren't happy with the way the scrums are being implemented like for me right now after seeing some of the scrum plays in the weekend like we talked about last week I like the fact of the scrum people need to understand we're in a period of adjustment so the players are going to be fatigued there probably is going to be more injuries there's always more injuries in the first month of the competition always so I don't know whether that's a direct, can be directly and only attributed to the changes in the rules. Like having coached, like we're coaching at Massey and Cup level, same rules as NRL. Um, and, you know, in in the three games that I saw this weekend, New South Wales Cup, Ron Massey and Sydney Shield, the players were gone in the last 20 minutes. The, the statistics, some of the completion rates and error rates and things in the second half of, um, of our game in particular in, in Ron Massey were horrendous. But that's that's as a direct result of players need time to adapt and they'll adapt. And as the year goes on, you'll see a better product. And this is my point about the rules. Every every year I bang on about the start of the year, stop changing the rules because every time you change the rules, it takes it's a period of adaptation that has to happen. That's why I'd just like to see us stop fiddling around with the game. You know, the NFL, the NBA, those sports, they rarely fiddle around with their rules. But for some reason, rugby league, we jump up and down about, you know, coaches will complain about something or fans will complain about something or, um, you know, commentators will, will complain about something or players. And we, we just change rules willy-nilly. Just stop changing rules. Leave it how it is now. And I, I like the product that we saw on the weekend. Mm. I enjoyed the product. The only thing out of everything, I didn't have a problem. It's more... I- Attacking scrums have to be there. Some of the players are on the weekend, and I know they're trying to get it somewhat out of there. And what we talked about last week, obviously... But the, the reason they went is because they weren't fucking doing attacking scrums. They were just taking hit-ups well, off attacking inside scrums. Inside good ball, the better sides come up with plays to take advantage of that situation where you can actually get 
some isolation and having well, to I, stay I think the coaches and the players are to blame for the fact that the scrums went out in attacking areas because you're right, there were a few teams that were doing yeah, it, but for the whole really part, they, they weren't, they weren't also, doing it. Also, like we said on the other side, I, I understand the fact that people wasted time and the scrum clock and all that kind of yeah. thing, but coming out of good ball, like we said, there's not really an advantage to getting a play the ball with a set line with 12 people in front of you from an error rather than a scrum, even if you are taking that one-out hitter you at least get to go into a four-man line. Yeah, but it's the same for both teams. So. Etc. So I get that. Uh, We're comparing old game and new game. Well, this is this is the game now. The one so. thing that came from the weekend, which I'm pretty sure I may have heard on the radio while working today, they're already going to address in reviewing a try, the clock still running and then not putting the time back on. I think the clock should be frozen while the kick is going back to set up, while the bunker's doing that review, and as soon as he tells the referee, yep, that's all good, mm. before the kick even happens, then you go time back on. Well, the Dragons won on the weekend. They celebrate. You think it's a try. Yeah. They review it. They waste a couple of minutes. They don't put the time back on the clock. Yeah. Like it's just, provided it's provided that the, the decision is overturned. That's my point. Yeah, okay. But yeah. freeze it. Yeah. yeah. And there were quick enough decisions on the weekend. No, we'll just, just write down what the time is and then go back to it. Something. Either either. Or when it's confirmed, say, so it 30 it. seconds, then the because clock Because if, if it is a try and it's confirmed a try, the clock should tick. Hmm. But they had to sort that out because there was one or two occasions in the weekend where I looked at it and thought, well, there's a minute and a half or something gone. That shouldn't be gone because in yeah. the end... Otherwise, just make it a 60-minute a game and just stop the clock at every stoppage. Because there, that thing I thought there, you talk about more ball in play or more game time, mm. right there you've just cut a minute and a half or you've cut time out of your game for a decision. Yeah, if it's overturned, yeah, you've, you've, you've taken so, time yeah, off the clock. I yes. think they've already yep. addressed that good. So yep. for the most part, I'm with you, happy with the rules. think a lot of people in a similar case need to give it some time and hopefully, same deal as overreacting from teams' performances in round one. You have to give at least a month before you can get a real sample size. They had one trial size. as well. Yeah. It's, it's, Short we just saw essentially another trial mm. on the weekend. I agree with you 100%. Tackle three, Todd Payton's comments. This is another thing that's brought up a lot uh, of people. And a bit of jibe and a 50-50. Some saying it's a good thing. Some saying it's a bad thing. Why would you oust you know, your biggest and best player? Why is that a smart approach? Others said it was wrong to mention the fact about his own job security and that may put some of the players off. Uh, of course know, it will. It was dip, or again, backwards and forwards, a different arguments and all this. I honestly don't have a problem with him making some of the statements that he made. I think it was a good thing as far as putting a stake in the ground that even your biggest player is, you know, not bereft of uh, some sort of criticism. But I'd also like to think at the same time that if he was going to make a statement like that or try and shoot something across the bow at the group that he might have been smart enough to, a la Wayne Bennett or someone else back in the day when he was going to make comments sometimes publicly to try and get the team going, would maybe have a pre-warning or talk to the player. It was about him. So The, the comments were about him because he, and he, he alluded to that by saying, you know, I want, to have, I, want to have my, I want to have the job. I want to keep my job. Well, surely to keep your job, you need to have your best player out on the field. And he wasn't the only one cutting corners on the weekend. He wasn't the only one giving up tries and making shitty defensive efforts and lazy movements. I get that you want to set a standard, but set a standard behind closed doors. It's it was a lair for me. It was a bit of a flex to say, I'm I'm the new dog. I'm the boss, and trying to put that out and project that out publicly. I, I don't think if he felt as though he had the respect of the playing group and that the playing group would listen to the criticism that he had um, had to make and the points he wanted to make, he wouldn't have to do it publicly. I, I don't like it at all. I, you threw your best player under the bus. Yeah, I would hope that he had a conversation with Jason Tamalolo, but Jason Tamalolo also doesn't strike me as the, you know, the type of guy that's going to be, you know, overtly 
um, confrontational and you know wanting to wanting to get into that type of discussion. I, I didn't like it at all. I, I thought it was ordinary. It's round one to start with. Your team just got belted. Uh, it didn't play well. It, it to me it was an it was a reaction and it was an emotional reaction as well to the result. Just settle down, take a chill pill, go and review it. If you still feel that strongly after you've reviewed the game, say it in your uh, in your Monday press conference or your Tuesday press conference, and at least then sit down with Jason Tamalolo and say, look, this is the criticism I have. But I, I, I look at it, I put myself in that situation, and I, I can't imagine having a conversation with Jason Tamalolo, hey, by the way, mate, I'm going to go out in front of the media and out you in front of the media, and having a player be happy about that. I, I don't know. I think the media loves it because it's something to talk about and yeah. it's a it's a coach being honest. But coaches can be honest without throwing players under the bus. And then there was different. What, what, why 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 wasn't he taking any accountability for the fact that he hasn't rubbed that out in the preseason? Surely you've had the last four months to to address that with him. And yourself, whatever your standards are, you, you could are. see it in preseason. Think we're doing well, and then get to the first game, and we know all the time, or even stuff you do during the week, and then yeah. it doesn't translate to the field. It doesn't necessarily mean you haven't tried to address it. But it doesn't mean you throw throw your team under the bus publicly. No, but I think in a way, I almost look at this right now and think: Is he trying to do what he did at the Warriors? Because when he got in there the first few weeks, he made some pretty harsh comments. And yeah, but tried what to I would say to that is, is that he knew that he wasn't going to stay there long term. Mm. He wants to stay there long term. And that's the point I'm if trying to make. If he wants to stay it, there long term... like that was a way that he started to build what he was building there and he can try and do, do it behind closed doors to kind of get those roots and try and establish that and then kick on from them. I'm not yeah, saying it's I, the right thing to do. You don't need to flex and be a dictator going... in front of everyone because, you know, sometimes the, the guys that bark the loudest have the smallest bite. So I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I really didn't like it. I, I felt uncomfortable watching it. I thought he overshared. I thought talking about your own job would have raised alarm bells for me as a player. I, you know, I, I've never said anything to a team about my job or my position or whatever. You just, you all, I think there's just that unwritten rule that you just know that if I play well, I, I keep my spot in the team. If we all play well, we win. If my players play well as a coach and we win, I keep my job. If if they don't, I'm I'm the one that needs to take responsibility and accountability for that. Rightly or wrongly, whether all the blame and all the fault is in your corner, your job is to get your team to play well. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. Anyway, I know a lot of people liked it, but oh, no, you, you, they liked it because they weren't the one that was being thrown under the under the bus publicly. And I, just, I think there, there's a little bit of disrespect there in how much Jason Talmalolo has done for that team and how he's carried that team on his back, particularly for the last two or three years. The fact he has to play 75 minutes should say a lot about the other guys dragging ass on the field. And this is another point, I guess, too. I was surprised at different reactions. In particular, the ex-players were all very much somewhat against it. Some of the ex-coaches in particular, Gus Gould, liked all of it, except the one part that you said where he mentioned about his own job. He said if he would have kept that part out of it, he completely agrees with everything, but the one thing agrees I agrees with it. But does he agree that he outs him publicly? Well, I think he. Has... I th- I th- I'm not disagreeing with the criticism. I think no. the criticism was okay. Like I can see what he's talking what about, and I think you'd like to have more examples than one. Well, I think that's the point I was just about to make. I think there's bigger problems that again. Like I don't know, Morgan's had injuries, but you we know, haven't seen. You him want to start play peeling layers off the onion. You've got Valentine Holmes out last year, who again had a half injury interrupted the season, but he's had a full preseason now had time off, you've got a massive imbalance in your salary cap. 
it's quite clear for that team. And there's some big decisions that he's going to have to make in the next 12 months. And obviously, he's got some time to make some decisions. But if things but don't they, turn they were, around... They were the contracts that were signed before he got there. Yeah. So he's going to get time. Is it, that's why I'm feeling, talk about his job. again, like we're saying here, I think maybe... Just do your fucking job. He's trying to spark up that similar situation that he did at the Warriors and seeing if that is a way to get things going forward. But if not, I think he's got time on his side to reshape things. But yeah, after round one, not something you see very often. Yeah. So mixed reactions from a lot no of people reaction. as far as those comments. But tackle four, the Des Hasler situation and Manly. Um, this just gets more and more interesting with the old mad bastard. Started well, it's just off, laughable. He wanted three years and they were talking about performance targets and clauses and all these other bits and pieces and he's basically like, no, I want full control, etc. Three years, that's what I want. You get lapped by 46 on the weekend, comes out after, you know, that he's put more pressure on about the situation. Talk was it was getting down to a two-year deal and now obviously after the weekend and everything that's come out about that, they're sitting there now basically saying, well... Isn't it done? Best case scenario would be a one-year deal and see how things play out this year. But, yeah, it, it's changed three times. Isn't it done? I thought it was a two-year deal. I don't huh? think it's done. They've been talking that two years was imminent, but apparently now the talk was in... I thought it was announced. ...the last today. few hours that I saw that uh, they're talking a one-year extension and going off what the results are. But this is a situation, again, where there's no way I'd give him three years. And the Bulldog situation's happening all over again. He has control of the club and recruitment and retention and a lot of things, and they had the one year where they got back into the finals... Last year, things went downhill. The way contracts have been done in this situation, the Adenfenor Blake one had triggers that obviously ratcheted up, which is a reason why everyone on the weekend's going, well, I can't believe they let him go. Well, his pay packet was jumping up to a point there with the way they've done the deal. 50% of their salary cap was going to be taken up basically by four or five players. And that situation's not getting any better. The DCE contract, I know, was done after he was gone, but again, he's one of those deals. The two turbo deals were done under his watch. Those deals are uh, similar deal there where you've got three guys, almost three-something million dollars. Tapau's on big money. Um, and we've talked about it a million times. Depth in certain positions and the overall top 30 aren't that great. And it's hard to be good well, as Baz, a top 30. Baz is reporting it's a one-year extension. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. The goalposts and keep changing. But if I'm Manly, I'm not Manly are saying we, we don't want to sign you to a three-year deal. I wouldn't either. No. Especially when he's sitting there going, well, no, you can't put let's any just chat it. Let's just chat at the end of the year. Triggers or why, why is this suddenly an issue now? I don't understand why. But you think if you had a smart manager <coughs> that you'd be negotiating after a 46-4 to four win, not a 46-4 to four loss. Well, he's apparently been agitating all off-season. You're yeah. not in a position really then to bargain. He rocks up round one and things don't go too well. And I will say one thing because I saw a, a little bit of, uh, you know, if Tommy was there, Tommy ain't fixing the problems that happened on the weekend. 46-4, Tom's not fixing that. Mm. So I don't understand how you can agitate or push for extensions and then have the hide to say, well, I want full control of everything. There'll be no termination clauses, no targets, no nothing. If you fire me, I'm getting a full payout. If I'm manly right now, I'm just saying, plain and simple, fuck off. Mm. Um, exactly what you basically said. We'll see how we're going mid-season and then we'll look at an extension. But you know, I'm just flabbergasted as to how this all works out. And again, salary cap, the makeup of that team and the roster is mostly his doing. Yeah. By the DC deal. He has control again. He's making all the moves. If I'm merely, I'm a little bit concerned. You've got Tom who can't get on the field. You've got Jake on huge wedge. DC's on huge wedge. You've still, even with the Fanua Blake contract being moved on, got a situation where $3 million plus is tied up in three players and a $9 million salary cap. 35% or so of yeah. your cap is gone right there. If you averaged out the rest of that across all the other players, 
it's not a whole lot there that you can have in top end and middle sort of players and relying on kids to push through. I thought for sure Cuss would have been first up for the nine like we talked about in a season preview. He didn't get a run, played Lock and Croker. He didn't run the football on the weekend. Yeah. When Tom doesn't play, they've got no backup fullback option. We've seen Garrick play there. We saw Harper play in the trials, get flicked this time for Dylan Walker. They talked about another kid they'd coming through. Like, And yeah, and then another thing that really surprises me, even though I think he's not a bad player, Kane Lawton. He's coming off a torn Achilles. They signed him as hooker coverage. He's not available until at least mid-season or later. And who's to say that he's good to go after the Achilles? Like, what, what sort of business is that? Hmm. That's not solving the problem you've got right now at nine. Yeah. So, uh, if I'm Manly right now, there's definitely no contracts being tabled. Let's put it that way. Super. And uh, if I'm a Manly fan, I agree, disagree, but to think that someone can push for three years and then push back on all those other things and be like, ah, oh, nah. There's no way we're having any clauses this out now. Like, you flick me, I'm getting full payout. Like, I just, I think it's highly insane. Tackle five. Round one, uh, again, not overreacting, but one thing is very obvious. The top five or six teams that most of us thought uh, would do well this year. Basically all racked up wins different ways. Roosters quite dominant. South's obviously the only one who lost, but made a good comeback against the Melbourne side, who we expect to be very, very good. Penrith dominant. Raiders, why... A bit clunky to start off, similar deal. Got the result done. Uh, and Parramatta, very, very ugly in the first half, but 26 points to bring himself back in and win their game. So that's the other question, I guess, that a lot of people are having the last few years. Is, is it getting more and more predictable? And with these changes, will the better sides widen the gap? Are those top five or six teams just going to get further and further away from I don't them? think it's a, it, it's a salary cap issue. It's a third-party issue. The... the the better sides can pay the best players more money, essentially. But, you know, go through the table, there's not a lot of movement in the top, particularly the top four. Like, you, you go through Roosters, Storm, who else? Roosters, South, Storm, like South Raiders, have been the last South. Raiders. They've, they've all been, the Eels. you know, the majority of the last... Pennies. Um particularly those four, have been in the majority of the the preliminary finals over the last Storm, several Roosters, years. Storm, Roosters, in particular, have been top Storm, four Roosters, or thereabouts. Raiders have started to stabilise Raiders, over them. the last four or five years, yeah, the Raiders they've have stabilised right themselves as yeah. one of those teams now that are building that consistent finals team. But, but in terms of money, you know, like, yeah, whenever you've got players going from low teams up to into teams that have that are higher on the ladder and right up the pointy end of the ladder, you're always going to have an issue, I think. And that that is going to cause what you see on the competition table at the moment. The competition table, you're right, is top-heavy. And, you know, the fact that we can have a five-leg multi and almost call it bank interest with five of the eight teams to make the eight tells you that aside from a real form slump or an injury crisis to a lot of those teams at the top, that they're going to be there when the rips are cracking. And it's really a battle between that middle eight, like we always really talk about, isn't it? The we four, still, we still you know, do have to give to some 12. credit to those better clubs, though, that it's not just I understand that. third yeah. parties. Coaching, administration, development, the way clubs are run. Like, yeah. There's more to it than just that. But there's a good reason why I think not just that side of thing, those clubs start at the top, which probably speaks more to... All of those areas, I think. I think a lot of clubs don't do it. But a good I'd like to job. see a day. I really would like to see a day when every club is spending the exact same amount of money. That's a salary cap. That's a true cap. So, otherwise, I, I find it hard supporting a team that's not financially 
you know, well off. Also, haven't made great decisions with the salary cap either. But it, it's frustrating when, you know, like someone like Jai Arrow, we go and pick him up off the street. Um, Brisbane don't really want him. We get him, have him there for two years, and then he nicks off to South, who are a top four side. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's instances like that. Um, you know, James Roberts was another one. Um, as a Titans fan, we've had a few that have sort of come and gone and gone to teams higher on the ladder. And you just go, well, how do you, how do you ever climb the ladder if you can't retain them? And while we can't retain them, a lot of that probably pre the last 12 months was because of a lot of the stuff you just spoke about. Shit coaching and poor administration well, and all that now, sort of stuff as well. Your club but I think we need around. to, we really do need to look at a way, some mechanisms to help the bottom teams to equal out the talent because it's clear that uh, the, the the competition at the moment is top heavy. It was two years ago that the top eight was decided with what three rounds to go. Was it two years ago? No, I can't remember. But you know, yeah, we had a year there where we were done with three or four weeks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We've had one or two years where it's had the last place up for grabs for the most part. The top yeah, six we had is Sharks, generally... Tigers, which was not not last year, the year before. Last year, I think it was pretty much sorted, apart from maybe one position. So, yeah, it's as a, as a team, it's in the bottom of the eight, uh, and, and haven't played a lot of finals footy. It's frustrating for the teams that are right at the top. There, they they're loving it. They're there to, every year. So not again, not to go completely against it, but to some of the point that I made, when your administration's doing well, your club, your recruitment, and your coaching, which is the case now more so with the Titans, in particular in the coaching department, you've attracted David Fafita. You've got Tino. Pasuma, yeah, but I think they've also they've had to pay overs looking, to get him. I so think, that's going to pinch as well. So Well, the Broncos were going to have to pay just as much to keep Dave. Mm. He still left. He was going to get it from someone. Tino signed before you guys won those five games and knew what he was doing. That was like a good he deal. Wanted, he wanted well, to think, go home. I think we got a good deal. With I think Tino. they've still paid a lot, but what he's turned into by the end of the year, mm. you look at it now. Yeah, look if at Ash Taylor. If he went to market, well, he's off contract at the end of this year, thank I God. So I think they're at the end of that run. But, but it's I hurt. still think a lot of that situation opens up to partly what you say, but also you need to be appealing in all those other areas and I think the Titans are now in particular with Holbrook and what they did last year and what they're starting to do yeah we'll see but last one I've got here tackle six to finish us off situation at the Roosters they've had a wretched time in regards to concussion and it's for no rhyme or particular reason like you've got Boyd Cordner who's obviously having a bit of the sabbatical now and taking the time off and we come back after round 12 and we'll figure out where he goes from there does this his last year does he get through unscathed does he play on has he got four years left we, we really don't know but Kiri's had some issues and had some long stints off and now we've got Jake Friend who's also had reoccurrences and a situation again uh, I guess there for them where it's it's becoming a bit of a worry and I think they're one of the better clubs anyway in four planning and what they've got in their squad and I think they've got more than enough cover there but just it's one of these things, it's a real, real sensitive issue and something you've got to be really, really careful around. And I think they've done an outstanding job about it. But it's just crazy um, that them in particular having, you know, those cases where Kiri's had those long stints, Corden's having this stint right now. Friend finished with Origin where I think there was one that was missed in a game, has this one on the weekend, multiple last year. And much like we see fighters and, and other football players, I remember Liam Fulton at the end of his career barely copping a flick on his chin and the equilibrium goes and they hit the deck. Like, it is a real concern. And it's, it's a scary thing. And uh, for someone like Jake Friend or a Boyd Cordner, I think there's plenty left in life after football. And I'm sure the club and them will be, uh, they will be yeah. taking into account everything. But in his situation... Um, Cordner's one, I think he just plays tough. Like, yeah. he, he gets himself and he puts his head where he, I wouldn't put my foot. Hmm. For Kiri and Friend, I, I think it's almost a size issue. 
they're just small blokes and we've we've created a uh, we've created a game where with the interchanges and you know a lot of this is going to be taken out of the game now but for the last three or four years prior to prior to the rule changes we created a game where you'd have these little fellas out on the field and you have fresh bigger blokes running at them all day spotting them up so we've created a game that's faster the contact is heavier um, there's more power and explosive movements in it you're going to get more head injuries particularly to your smaller players I still think even with that fatigue though you know, I don't think it, it's it a only takes a momentary issue. no I'm not saying definitely a rooster's issue but I think even under fatigue with the way the game's going in a momentary lapse of poor technique and judgement which yeah but I think you're you going to get less, less impact mm. well you'd like to hope that's so that's what they're trying to the trying weekend to. was a fresh man wrong footing him and just like it was a sickening head clash yeah it was bad um I just still look at this situation. People are going, well, what are they going to do? I think no one's playing it better. You've already seen young Lussick play some football. Tommy Deacon is a young name to remember. He played in an arrow trial the other week. He's an SG ball. Verrills is coming back. So they're well covered in this situation. But I just think, uh, you know, of anyone to be going and dealing with these sort of situations, have your players in that situation, uh, I think the Roosters will definitely handle it better or better in the best possible Case than I don't most, think it should be a club issue now. I, I really do think that should be more the NRL should be have a whole unit, a whole task force well, dealing with this. It's only going to be another one of these things that's ongoing further and further in the future as we learn more and more, and that's probably the scary part now. Yeah. We still only really haven't scratched the surface of what this does long-term. Yeah, CT, whoever they are, traumas, et cetera. the best head trauma experts and, and concussion experts are in Australia, they should be mm. the... NRL should be getting them in and getting as much information as they can. Big decisions in the near future, at least by the end of this season, for the Roosters with a couple of long-time servants and big players. But just crazy, again, particularly has been really big players and all somewhat in the last few years with this issue at that club. And again, no fault of the club, but just, yeah, very, very rare situation. But there you go. First set of six for 2021. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar energy experience. When it comes to looking and tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call 1800 20 today or visit au for more. Get on the Jake and the crew there. And uh, a couple of funny comments last week in the discussion page. And uh, I think it was Joey, Buckmaster from memory, drove past the sign up the mountains and said all he could think about was the jingle. So, Jake, you're getting your money's worth, brother. There was yeah. plenty of laughs and likes on that one. I found that quite enjoyable because most of the time when I do ads, I know most people, when you listen to a podcast, you might skip or just go, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You don't want to listen <laughs> You don't want to listen to it, but yeah. I-, I got a good laugh out of that. So, it was good. funny. Yeah. Good funny. to know. But if you're looking for solar, there is no one better than Penrose Solar Center. Get on board. Reviews the games from the weekend box head. Let's fly through these. Storm and South kick things off. Melbourne just blew the doors off them. Straight from the word go. Um, they missed the jump. There's no doubt about it. But I think Melbourne gave a good example that uh, of how to play the game under the new rules. They played flat, fast, direct to the middle. Got a couple of offloads. Went 90 metres basically in the first set and uh, off the back of the power game and the offloads and really dominating somewhat that middle of the field. Got the guns on the back end of that, in particular Pappenhausen and Munster, and really did a number on working over Adam Reynolds. Inside, outside, they found love there. 
They had the Pappenhausen play first up. Munster threw a dummy the next time, went straight on the inside shoulder. They had Sewer having to work overtime to try and bodyguard him. Uh, and then obviously we had the short ball where he turned his hips out. Kenny Bromwich, Pappenhausen follows through. And before you know it, uh, it was 18-zip. Yeah, the game. They just got jumped. South, and by the time they balanced up and got some footy in, they, they managed to get themselves back in the game uh, at the back end, but... I'll say they one just, thing. They just got run off the park early in Melbourne. As a Storm the fan. first set, they just blew them apart. Extremely happy with the first half. Not only the way we generated points and rolled downfield, but I thought they had more football inside 50 and Melbourne turned them away. Mm. They got that one they try, obviously. Early errors, errors early in the set as well. South, they just... They got punched in the nose and didn't really ever balance back up, did they? They're another one of these teams, and there's examples in multiple games over the weekend. They were, I don't think they earned the right to go sideways. They just... With some of these rules, some of the teams just thought, all right, we'll throw the football around. Particularly on the back of everyone patting them on the back after the charity shield. Yeah, but not building... into a different beast. Yeah, not earning a roll-on, not fatiguing your team, not building any pressure, just constantly. Well, they sneezed and got a roll-on in the charity shield. Mm. It was never going to be the one in Melbourne. And like you said just there, like if you've got a team early on and you... And I said it last week, I thought Melbourne were the value. Melbourne, the value better the weekend. They were underdogs. Well, flipped around, yeah. They started. They were underdogs when we did the odds. Seventy favourite, then they got close to two. They were a dollar ninety five when we did the odds. Uh, Ridiculous. Second, At home with that record. Second half, like you said, things did turn a little bit. South held a bit more football. Latrell had a pretty good night. Very damaging. Uh, looked pretty sharp from the back there. But I think the middles is one area where a lot of people thought, um, you know, they would match up or mark up very, very well this year. But I think Melbourne sort of won that battle. One big concern for Melbourne, and no surprise without Cameron Smith there, bit of composure and control of the second half. I didn't think the kicking game was all that great from the two halves, and obviously Brandon, Harry, not but Brandon doesn't really have a kicking game at all. I think Harry's got partially a bit of a kicking game when he gets back, but that's obviously going to be a huge area that's going to need to be addressed and worked on over the year now that Cameron Smith's not there. Mm. Um, their right edge was brand new. South found some love down there. The only one that was really of any concern to me for the few times they earned a roll-on, was the one where the troll scored in the corner. They had 10 metres of grass behind them, and they just drifted sideways. Like you basically just escort him over the, over the trial. Yeah. You've got to come up there and try and stick and make a play. Yeah. But South, to their credit, uh, when they did hold the football and you know actually got some go forward and did the right thing, found some points, but too little too late. And for Melbourne, still going to get Harry back, which will then push Cheese back into that role on the bench as an extra middle forward, and Dale Finucane. So I'm sure when you look at it, in the scales of games during the year, wins, losses, origin period, top four, top eight sides, and your your personnel you've got on board, that's a big two points, in my opinion, yep. given the circumstances. And they come a month, uh, back a month later than everybody. So technically right now, they're, they're probably a little bit underdone. Mm. So I think that's a great outcome on their side of things. But Pappenhausen, next level. Thought Cheese had a really good game. Welch was very, very good as well. Um, he's continued his good form from last year. South's arrow was the best forward. I thought Kalama Tungay was underutilised and his time on the field was pretty, pretty good. Latrell, um, Cody had his moments, obviously, when things looked good. But I think the real one here, um, after all the hullabaloo, same deal about a Reynolds and we talked about the other week, if you're going to justify a four-year extension and want to be paid as an elite half, goal-kicking and general play, kicking's not enough. You need to be at least a steady defender. You need to run the football. You need to create... There needs to be more to the package right now than what there is to Adam Reynolds. And again, the other night, one of those situations where they went after him and they found three tries aiming up on him. So not saying he's not a de- decent halfback. He's right at the top end. But to be demanding that sort of money or going for four years, I'm sort of with South on that situation. And there's talk now 
it's looking more towards meeting in the middle that maybe a two-year deal and a little bit less money which I'd be more comfortable with if I'm a South fan and Adam Reynolds mm. um, but then also as we spoke about before if you want that sort of money and you want that sort of years he's going to have to probably go to a lesser club in a situation that's not as great as the one he's in right now so he needs to decide whether he wants to be in a competitive environment have potential to win competitions with good players around him or if he wants a, a big pay packet in more years but um, Cook needs to do more as well I know it wasn't a great night and Benji obviously made a bit of difference on the bench when he came on but Damien Cook was quiet last year and was one of these ones that was expected to do better with the new rules I know they didn't win exactly the best part of the role on the other night but I don't even see him jumping out of dummy half when things aren't happening and trying to impose himself on the game <coughs> or trying to run or do a whole lot about you know, the ruck or generating momentum. He, he needs to be more forceful in inserting himself into the game. But that's my opinion. Knights Dogs, 32-16. Hard conditions, absolute bucking down up there. And early it was a bit of a dog fight. Uh, Bradman Best comes up into absolute no man land and Flanagan through an absolute perler of a pass to watch Dallin slide like a penguin 25 metres almost into the fence and wipe out everyone along the way. Knights hit back. Um, and at the back end of the half found a couple more tries. I think... The biggest concern here, while there were some bright sparks in attack for the Bulldogs across this game, still some issues, I guess, uh, on edge defence. And in particular, why I thought Flanagan was really, really good with the ball and threw some nice passes, kicked quite well. It was his edge that they particularly got at and aimed up on as well and found a bit of love. And they got Safidi out there on him. They got Barnett out there on him. Um, and the second half thought their forward pack just got bullied. They came hard over the top of him, clamour. Safidi, kind of Watson off the bench, made a good impact. Braley being there just provides that, you know, good service, nice width, manipulating the ruck, getting his forwards over the outline. I thought the second half, they were really, really good. And still missing Ponga, Fitzgibbon, lost a couple of guys during the game. Man went off the field, so pretty uh, pretty dominant second half, in my opinion, by Newcastle. Yeah, the dogs look good when they, they had the footy, but they just really struggled to defend when they gave away big lots of possession and Newcastle were just far too powerful. and The Dogs actually look a little bit undersized in the middle, I think. Um, they just missed a lot of one-on-one tackles that they, they should have made. and uh, Yeah, Newcastle were good. They they held the footy and played pretty direct and played the, the conditions quite well. I thought the Dogs started well. Dogs started really well, but Newcastle once Newcastle balanced up and got even share and started to cycle and go set for set um, you know the, the talent I guess told but uh, yeah interesting one for, for Trent Barrett I think he probably would have been happy with the first half but pretty disappointed I would imagine with the second half. Hmm. We talk about coaches comments I don't like the fact that after the first round he's already bringing up issues about referees and this and that and this would have been a point of difference I think that again you sort of opening a window there where you might be making excuses for your players. Um, well, I love it how we're criticising Barrett, but we're I'm not criticising. No, I'm not rapping Peyton. I'm just saying, similar to what you're saying on the flip side there. I don't know after round one if I'm already going more the referees. I didn't, didn't, I didn't hear the comments. So. so it was more around, I think they didn't get a penalty in the second half and he wasn't happy with some of the six again calls and why they yeah. got them. Um, yeah. But well, for, yeah, if you're relying on the referees, you're in trouble. Exactly. And that was more the point. I'm sitting there thinking, well, I wouldn't be opening that window after the first yeah. game in charge. But, uh, yeah. you know, I watched a player single-handedly referee a game on the weekend. So, yeah. yeah. Some uh, positive signs, like we said, in attack, but a little bit to be improved, especially with their middle defense and isolating both the halves and the edge. Averill got picked off once. Flanning got picked off 
couple of times. Uh, the young debutante Dietz, unfortunately, copped a head knock but got himself back out in the field. But nevertheless, NRL debut at 26. Yeah. Assistance pays off. Ernie's so. Ernie spot, and um, I think he's dropping back to back into cup yep. with Marshall us this King, week. Back but, this um, week. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, it'd be far better for the experience. He'll come back with a lot of confidence. He wasn't there tonight, but um, mm-hmm. I'll see him later in the week. And yeah, it's just good to see someone you've had a direct involvement with do well, get a debut and Dust yourself off, DT, and go again. And for Newcastle, man and best came off uh, injured in this game. Not sure if they're going to be available for this week. They'll both name, but certainly what they don't need with players already missing, as we've mentioned before. But the forward pack and having Braley back made a huge difference. Safidi, first game as captain, very, very young, was dominant. Clemmer, Braley was great. Frizzell, Barnett, the back row, very, very good. And Watson's impact off the bench. So interested to see how things pan out this week, but... They're obviously hoping that Man, Best, etc., aren't missing too much time with Ponga and Co. and Green, obviously, already missing. But good win for Newcastle. Uh, next up, Eels Broncos, 24-16. In the first half, as much as I sat there and thought, well, the Broncos are having a red-hot crack. They're physical. They're playing a bit of football. I thought the Eels were terrible. Uh, the Eels had no line speed, no intent. Thought the uh, you know basically completing at 50% and playing with no intent in the first half. They invited the Broncos to play football. They made Anthony Milford... Look like the Anthony Milford of old. He was able to get over the advantage line, run the football, put in a couple of nice kicks, sort of controlled things. I, I didn't think he had as big an impact on the second half of the game where Parramatta actually came out and did the one thing they needed to do all night and refused to do early on, which was similar to South, earn the right to roll first before you want to shift the football. They just constantly pushed the football side to side, made shit errors, uh, had players just sliding off from the inside and were getting dominated and the real turning point was Isaiah Papali off the bench. Just playing direct, getting quick play of the balls. He got money going over the advantage line. They punch him holes to the middle. They obviously got a bit of luck as well. Um, you know, a couple of situations there where the tries worked out. The one that was knocked down isn't luck because they played on. But again, sort of a call. There was the Turpin situation there that some people thought was 50-50 on the replay that they moved on from. And Brisbane obviously lost three plays in the second half, so... They were absolutely gassed at the back end, but I think the disappointing thing, if you're a Broncos fan, is all the effort that was put into the first half. Uh, you blow up in the second half, and I thought from them in that situation, you just needed someone to take control, put the ball into touch, complete your sets, and they couldn't do that in the second half. Mm-hmm. They, they played the majority of the half in their own end and were holding on by an absolute thread, and Parramatta came and got them. Yeah, Brisbane were the better side in this game. Yeah, um, I agree. But Parramatta got away with one. They had probably the more talented side, and talent shone through late when Brisbane were short and fatigued. And uh, but yeah, I I took more away, more positives away for Brisbane, and more negatives away for Parramatta. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be whether 
Parramatta can treat that like a loss because they, they should and go away and try and get better. And Brisbane, I, I guess they're just going to try and replicate what they did in the first half for longer periods of time and they're, they're going to be fine. Mm. You know, if, if, if that Bronco side performs like that and plays against the Titans side that ran out on Saturday afternoon, Brisbane will beat the Titans comfortably. Mm. So, yeah, I picked them to win the spoon, but uh, based on that, they're not winning the spoon. No, and again, missing, if, if that's the sort of effort, and then we'll you add back in a half in the stags like we talked about, we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah will we get that every single week? We that's the know. question. It's one game. And we're going to figure that out. But um, some really good signs from some of the younger guys, a bit of a turnaround. But Lodge, I think now it's not as bad as what they initially thought, two to three weeks potentially. Coates and Asiata were both named. I don't know how Coates is playing after spearing himself on top of his own face and neck mm. uh, on the weekend. That, that's a bit of a concern. But um, Parramatta, yeah, just... Simple stuff in the second half. Play direct, get a roll through your big boys, get second phase and go direct downfield. That's what opens things up for your edges to play. Way too sideways in the first half. I thought the edge swap uh, didn't really know what the point was behind that or what the thinking and uh, didn't think it had a great effect for the first week, but huge Well, they debut. swapped back at half time. There you go. Huge debut, I thought, uh, by Papa Lee, though. He was absolutely outstanding. Paul obviously iced the game and decent first hit in Ferguson contract year. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good night, in particular the way he finished off that try. That was a pretty good finish. But Brisbane, Milford, Carrigan, Mead's first game back was pretty good as well. He's a good player, He's uh, very, very busy. I never wanted him to leave the Titans. Let's see if uh, this Brisbane team can continue to trend in that direction. Titans Warriors, 1916. Stinker. Uh, a thousand degrees. Got to have a look at this one finally. Highly impressed by the Warriors. Because it's not really something you associate with the Warriors completing at 93%, defending multiple sets on their line, and just remaining disciplined in those conditions. I thought, if anything, uh, not definitely not something I was expecting. For the Gold Coast, particularly the first half, thought they had plenty of ball, plenty of opportunities, couldn't come up with a whole lot. Uh, definitely needs to be a little bit of work done with the attack, I guess. But overall, what were your thoughts as a Titans fan? Oh, they were clunky, had opportunities. But the Warriors deserve to win. They they took their chances. As you said, they completed high. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was an ordinary game. And these are the ones where I, I sort of go, why are we playing day games this time of the year? Because that's what you get. You don't, you don't get as good a spectacle, but it is what it is. Yeah. I'd probably play another... I'd have a Monday night game this this time of the year. Play as many games at night as you can. You get a, you get a better spectacle. And then, you know, if they want to go to the... 3 p.m., um, 4 p.m. time slots. Do it, you know, in six weeks' time. Because yeah. we, we just... 3 o'clock on... Like, we, we played at 3 o'clock at Ringrose on Saturday. It was like it was 35 degrees and humid as hell. It's ridiculous. If you want a good product, that's the that's not conducive to, to having that. So, uh, anyway, yeah. I, I thought there was as much off the field that contributed the on the field stuff in terms of the weather and the time of kickoff but Warriors were excellent completed high ground away weren't perfect but were far better than the Titans the Titans concerning how bad they they were to be fair well, like I said I was more impressed but again one game with uh, all the defensive stuff backing up they had a couple of double upsets they had a good point there where they defended for three sets and like you said completions kicking well Tamita Harris, uh, to me, is going to be a very, very good player. Defends very, very well. The try that was set up at the back end of the game where he just accelerated, played direct, put a forward and a one-on-one to offload for Nick Arima, whose kicking game was outstanding and his control throughout the game. Fanua Blake, 
huge debut game in their forward pack in general. Harris, Tanoa Brown, the bench when they came on, as I said, Army obviously scored that try, the impact that was made by Fowler, and uh, at the back end, played without Siren in, in those conditions and lost their hooker. So, short on the bench as well. Dug that one out, and the two of us to check try saves, they just keep getting better and better. He came up with a couple of pearlers, but, yeah. um, you know, thought Tino was okay on debut. For Feeder, obviously, they said, spent the week in hospital, so a big effort to make his way out into the field. But obviously, I think on his side, when we talk about working on the attack, I thought they just gave him the ball in shit positions. Yeah, they did. A lot of it was using him as a battering ram or under pressure. Uh, yeah. You need to do more on the inside if you're going to, you know, utilise him. Give it a Dave. Run, Dave. Yeah, thought Brimson was really the only one that looked to be able to create a whole lot of spark things. And uh, they've had an injury, unfortunately, out of that game. Brian Kelly's busted his hand. He's going to be missing for a bit. And on the flip side... The new centre for the Warriors, Ewan Aikens, had surgery on his ankle. He played the whole way through that game. I don't know how. Uh, he's going to be missing eight to ten weeks as well. So, yeah, not uh, exactly what you want from a first-up game. But Warriors, good start to the season. Titans, uh, big clash this week against your rival, the Broncos. So yeah. If anything's going to spark them up, that's the game to do it. Ark it up. Ark it up and spark it up. We will get there. Roosters, Manly, 46-4. to four. This... Well, it's an absolute bloodbath. The Roosters did the old Goro from Mortal Kombat Fatality, pulled the arms off and just beat the shit out of Manly. Mm. Uh, like I said before, they can make any excuse and talk about contracts and coaches and Tom and it. That's not fixing any of the problems out on the weekend. They were dismantled in all areas of the field. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely blown away about how good the Roosters' catch pass and skill was, in particular the fact that they've re- Jigged, obviously, the right edge. And I know that Kiri probably floats between the two last year and he played both sides of the field. But their right edge was just absolutely lethal. Seven of the nine tries. They gave absolute nightmares to Foreign, Parker, and Garrick. Tedesco basically set the day up when he jumped over Garrick for that first try. But um, they rolled the middle. They pulled both edges apart. And when they did go back to the left, Morris cut through them like butter. Crichton hit a nice short ball off Tokyo. And again, we just saw the array of talent and weaponry on their side. Their back five almost ran for a 1,000 metres. Their forward pack was outstanding. And how often do you have the luxury to sit Jared Warrior from the bench and say, well, I'm going to go with Collins, who played 63 minutes and was outstanding as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're a good side of the Roosters. They're going to be they've right been up there. and Undersold, I think, coming into this year. Yeah, Some agree. of the young talent, like I said before. like The French situation's not great, but... Lussick got experience before his time last year. They're going to get Verrills back, and they obviously got some trial experience in the 18-year-old Tommy Deacon. And you got Walker there, and I thought Lamb did a very, very good job on the weekend. And Hutchinson's played some games, and Kieran's a guy who unfortunately got injured but can play in that role. They've got coverage everywhere. They've got a stacked back line. I think the only area you could probably say is until Cordner gets back. Uh, they don't want to get too many injuries in the forwards, but uh, I think they've... Not been overlooked, but they haven't been spoken about as much this off-season as, as previous years, but they're going to be a very good side. Yeah. Very good side. Yeah, they're stacked. Manly, plenty of issues, like you said. <laughs> Defence, number one. If you can't defend, you're not going to be any game of football. Throw Tom back in, you might have got another try or two, but it's not fixing the way they defended. Their middle was disgusting. Their edges were poor, and they all tie into one another. You know, Cherry Evans missed seven, Forward missed five, Croker playing at nine, missed five. Like, you just can't miss tackles and... Getting dominated that way. It was just poor, poor, poor all around from the manly side of things. And then we're back to the off-field distractions as well. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, the last it's thing you need on not top great. of it. But, um, yeah, interesting to see how they go this weekend. Manly side, who have they got this weekend? They're playing south, so it gets no easier. They start with the Super. double. Off the back of the Melbourne loss and all the hype train, I'm sure Wayne Bennett, after 
again, having a few pokes and prods in the press comments, we'll be expecting a big response from his side. So definitely not getting easier for the Roosters. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, Kieran got injured. Crichton suspended in the friend situation. So there's going to be some changes this weekend for them up against the Tigers. Uh, and a little bit of talk that Sam Walker may end up being a late debut on the bench if they need coverage at hooker. He potentially comes on to play half and Lamb goes to nine. But with what's been named so far, Joey Lussick will be start at nine. Um, and Walker's not on the bench. They've got another debutante, young Fletcher Baker, who's come through their system, a back row. So just another one of these kids that's pushing into the Rooster system. Penrith 24-0 over the Cowboys. In all honesty, how they did not score a bag of tries in the first half is beyond me, but I'll, live we said it while we are there. I thought the Cowboys did a really good job defending Penrith in the first half. It's unfortunate they had to defend so much because they couldn't hold the ball. Their fifth tackle options were piss weak and they could barely get out of their own end. But the fact they came out of the first half only 6-0 down... It was 8-0. You know, 8-0 down yeah, with the penalty yeah, goal, yeah. sorry. But yeah, there was multiple times blokes were stopped short meter out, held up. The Hermiso knocking the ball out of his hands. Yeah, Yeah, well, he had him going backwards and he's knocked the ball out. Like, there was multiple times there where I thought, my Lord, going to the 8 Yeah, I'd be stoked. And apparently, watching the replay, uh, when I got home, Peyton's halftime speech was very positive, but hold the football, be better with the play five options and stop giving away stupid penalties. And in the second half, uh, it continued. Yeah. If you're going to defend all game and not going to hold the football... You're going to get smashed. It's going to bite you on the ass, And in the end, 24-0 probably flattered the Cowboys. It did. Um, I thought they really did, did. did a good job to keep it at 24-0. Oh, 100%. I think part of that was just as much Penrith. Penrith were clunky. In yeah. attack, but uh, defensively. A lot of people were raving. I thought going overboard a little bit about Penrith. In attack, I agree with yeah. you. I think defensively, defensively, they were great. They were great. I mean, yeah. again, I don't think the Cowboys were that great in attack. They completed, mm. I think, at like... 60% or lower. Penrith actually completed not much better considering all the extra ball. They completed 67%, but to get out of there with a duck egg, outstanding. Uh, the first try they set up for Catewell was very, very nice. I think we were talking about it. Like, they, they look so good to watch live, and they're unique in the way that they attack and being able to react in their own structure and having extra bodies around the football, but at the same time, they almost tie themselves in knots because it's so busy yeah. in what they're doing that at times they are uh, just a little bit overcooked. But I think, again, a bit of ring rust first few weeks. As that gets better... Everyone's talking about their attack and the spark and the you know all that side of the ball, but I think everyone's already forgot. They were number one in defense last year as well, so I don't know why people are surprised bringing up oh, that side of the ball. We're amazed by yeah. that. Like That was on show last year as well. That it was, was as yeah. impressive as the attack. Yeah, so but they got jumped a little bit in the finals. Like in big games, they, they gave up, what, 12 to the Roosters early. Mm. Um, got jumped early against South, got jumped in the grand final. So their, their test defensively is going to come at the end of the year um, yep. in, in a, you know those big games if they can manage to put themselves in that situation again but right. you know round one they certainly passed the test well I was impressed again obviously we talked about the middles that moved on but Fish is just an absolute animal Lanu's bench stint he was incredible as well so much power and leg speed Laoda was solid to start off with thought the halves were great nice kicking game his control no surprise Luai was bouncing all over the joint Toto and that new edge, that's going to be fantastic the more time they spend together. Staines' game was solid. Uh, he had a couple of chances to try and get in the corner there. One, the ball was knocked out another time. He was pushed out. Uh, same deal. And, and Edwards. Edwards was immense. And you talk about a game with fatigue and blokes pushing through and making an impact on a game. He got better as the game went on because he's just an iron man. Mm. He was pushing through the middle. He was on the ball. He got a nice try there. So plenty of positives, I think, there for the Panthers and even the role of moving Martin to that bench role. I love it. 
the game's getting smaller. They've lost those guys. He's a guy that's not the flashiest on the edge, but has the ability to play as a middle. They obviously took kick out for a long period of time that game, which surprised me. I don't know whether he's underdone or whether they just wanted to spare him some work and get Martin out there, but they've definitely got some options and a bit of flexibility around what they do with their forwards, their bench and their team, which will make up for hopefully uh, those few middles that they've lost. But on the on the Cowboys side of things, I didn't have a whole lot of positive bar holding on defensively for such a long period of time. But you, you, like you said about Tamalolo, Tamalolo may have not had a great night, but Hess again, McLean, a lot of these guys. Uh, Molo's just announced today he's going to the Dragons. I thought last year he was one of their better forwards, but probably the only one I think who got over 100 metres and tried to rough a few blokes up and we've seen him level Catewell and put some kick pressure on him. He's about the only one doing it was Josh McGuire. Um, there wasn't a lot of other positives come out of it. Clifford struggled. The kicking game was terrible. Morgan didn't have a great night. The OBs, obviously, didn't have a great night either. It, it wasn't a great night in general no. for the Cowboys. So, interesting to watch them next week up against the Dragons. They're going to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So, good way to try and get some confidence back. Raiders-Tigers. honestly thought uh, they were right up for this one, the Tigers. They were trying to do a bit of a camera to camera and frustrate and niggle and get involved in the first half I thought they, they accounted for themselves pretty well to concede right on half time to get it to 6 all. thought it was a good result for Canberra because I thought they were pretty average as far as their attack and you could definitely see a bit of rust again Bruton Hodgson back into the fold trying to get that balance between you know are they playing too much for the middle is he working the ball a bit too much getting early ball to Jack who literally was not a factor for the majority of the first half but second half they came out they had a bound under their bottom as you'd expect you can imagine Ricky wasn't happy um, and I thought when things got hard, Tigers went in the mud. They had same issues, errors, poor fifth Ooh, tackle options, kicking out between Leilua and Roberts. couple of dropped balls. One, Roberts got absolutely stitched up with from Leilua, but he, he threw four or five offloads inside ten, like play one or two trying to carry the ball. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, honestly. And like the Tapine run at the back end of the game, I know fatigue, and he's a hell of a player, but there should be no middle forward who... Drifts across field, skills five or six blokes, gets back to his feet and able to throw an offload for someone to score in the corner. It was an outstanding effort and a great try, but between that and a few of the other ones in the second half, uh, the Tigers were their own worst enemy. The errors, the ill-discipline, lack of football, they just completely took themselves out of that game. So, yeah, just uh, murdered themselves, absolutely. Raiders, again... I, like, Luke Brooks was he awful in this game. I thought Laurie tried very hard. Um, Laurie had, was Had was some excellent. great moments, I thought... Tamau, even though he copped the knock, was solid. Offer Hengawi, I thought was pretty solid as well. But uh, even the Embai situation, like what do you do there? I look at that and go, well, I would have, I would have played Jock. Yeah. And this week they've got Dewey back in. Like, I know he's got a year or two to run, and you're trying to make something work. But to me, he doesn't fit. Hmm. Um, and even as the nine or the utility situation, if you want cover for all those positions, I'd probably consider him. If you're going to play dual nines and have somebody there for little, I'd play Simkin. Like Embai for me is not in the picture. Yeah. Uh, that's the point they're kind of getting to, but and I guess like we said, just playing for eighty minutes and when things getting hard, not making errors, not being ill-disciplined. And we, we talked in the preview. There's going to be weeks where they play somebody and they might score forty if things click. Those edges, in particular, those two centers, and the way things will work out, they'll have a week or two like they did last year, where they'll probably light a team up and will be surprised. But there's also games that are going to be like the weekend where they'll be in it and they'll just have periods where errors, penalties, just absolutely do them out of a contest. Yeah. Um, and for Canberra, I think there's great signs. They come out with a decent win, missing uh, you know, a couple of guys. He's still got Amre Gula working his way back from injury. Harawir and Ira suspended. Hallsberg, who's been suspended, 
James played very, very well after not playing for 690-something days off the bench. We've seen that spine that we talked about, which is like a brand-new combination, working things back together. Chris, who had a year off last year, comes back, fills in for Croker. I thought he had an outstanding game. Scott was solid after a year from hell last year, so I think there's a lot of positives for Canberra. And same deal, just guys off injury, surgery, putting that team back together. Hudson Young on that edge was great. They're only going to get better the more time they spend together. Yeah, so. I think they've come out of that game very, very well on the weekend, the Raiders. Um, and the last one to finish the round off, Sharks-Dragons. This was not a great game of football. The weather certainly didn't help, but I don't think either team was too crash hot. The Sharks, to me, obviously played the conditions much better in the first half where the Dragons just refused to hold the football. And that got them out to a 14-zip lead. Second half, uh, you saw a bit more of what you'd expect from a derby game. They fired up, they came after them. Got a couple of tries. The Dufty one back through the middle was just a lazy effort, not tying in, and he scooted for 70. But on the flip side of that, the rocks and diamonds you get with Matt Dufty, he let a few bounce at the back that you just shouldn't. You've got to get the ball. Yeah. Uh, for the Sharks, I thought there was some real positive. Like Chad Townsend, to me, was the biggest reason they won that football oh, game. You talk about the Roosters catch pass. thought the Sharks oh, were... In the conditions. Really, really sharp with their catch pass. How good was the scrum play? Yeah, it's good. The scrum plays inside, good ball, flipping over the other side of the scrum, taking advantage of the fact they have to stay bound. They created some numbers. Kennedy, uh, his hands in those movements along with Moylan, Chad. Chad's kicking game in the wet was a huge point of difference. And again, uh, I don't want to aim out on someone like Ben Hunt, but you need better from Ben Hunt. He's now the captain. I know Griffin's probably got a lot of faith. You get Norman back in this week. But at some point, that you've got to play good football. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he was terrible, but for... What he's getting paid, and it's not his fault, but for well, well, he just needs to do better. You've got to kick better. You've got to do a lot better within a game. You have to do better. Ford Pack, uh, no one over 100 metres. Didn't think they got a whole lot out of their bench. Marin, Alvaro, etc. Um, I think the only person over 100 was Vaughan. He had 200 plus. Had a pretty good game. Thought outside backs, you know. Some moments there. Lomax had a moment or two, but also threw one over the sideline. Ravalawa, yardage carry, etc. There's a lot that can be worked on. But I think the main thing there, when they had their little period, when they came after the Sharks, the Sharks looked like the Dragons. Mm. But the big turning point for a lot of people, and I can understand this, uh, was the bird try. Did you think that was a knock-on? Because I didn't think the angle gave you a chance to see it, but I thought he might have just knocked it sideways and it could have been play-on. I thought it was play-on. I'm not saying it was uh, that's going to change the game, but... On the back of that, that brings them right into it. They get down the other end of the field, score a try. I'm saying play on. And there's no excuse for the two tries that followed, in particular the Aaron Woods one, which was very, very soft. But mm. that was a crucial point in the game. Definitely. For them to come back. And luckily enough for the Sharks, they woke up off the back of it and, and found a way to win. But, um, yeah, no excuses for Dragons. But I, I can kind of see why some people are bothered by that one because I honestly thought it got knocked sideways. Yeah. But... Just my opinion. But a bit to work on for the Dragons. Uh, Sharkies, like you said, no Johnson, uh, no Warwick. Find a win. Some yeah. good performances. Townsend, solid. Moylan, Kennedy, etc. A couple of those middle forwards uh, had some good games. So there you go. Wraps up the reviews of the games for the weekend. Let's jump into our tips and some bets for this week. Last weekend, perfect round for everybody except yourself. You only got one wrong. It was the Titans. Mm. So seven for you. Eight for myself, for Gossip, and Dean from the Roast. Uh, let's look at the games for this week, like we said. And the first one we've got, Eels versus Storm, Thursday night clash. And as far as any changes that have been made, there's just one for the Eels. Marada near Cora returns from a suspension. 
on the bench. So Keegan Hipgrave goes back to the reserves and on the side of things for the Melbourne Storm. It's the same 17 from last week. Branko Lee is still out. Harry Grant, Dale Fanuke can still out. Don't expect any changes on the Melbourne side of things. Thursday night again, Boxhead, but now here in Parramatta. Are you on the Storm? Storm. Clean sweep again. All four us on the Melbourne Storm. If they do anything like they did last week, Parramatta with the error, defensive intent, line speed, etc., and the way their edges were in their middle, Melbourne will pull their arms off them and beat the shit out of them. Papenhaus will have a field day. Cheese, Welch, Nelson, etc. The way they rolled through the middle, Munster picking his moment running on the edges. If they're anything like that to start with, it'll be even worse than what it was for South. Mm-hmm. If they get into a middle battle and do what they did in the second half, punch through Melbourne, hold the football, and make it a bit of a war of attrition, I think it showed at the back end that you can kind of wear Melbourne down. In particular, kick pressure is a massive thing now because the kicking game wasn't great as is, but that would be a real focal point for me this week from Brad Arthur. Munster or Hughes kicking from their own half, make sure we're getting good pressure because some of the kicks and where Melbourne were turning the ball over and particularly in the second half was horrendous. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to really look at for them this week. The odds on this one, 275 for the Eels, $1.45 for the Melbourne Storm. Next game up, the Warriors versus Newcastle. The early game on the Friday at Central Coast Stadium there for the Warriors. Ewan Aitken, as I said, out, has to have surgery, being replaced by Adam Pompey in the centres. Jack Murchie's been named among the reserves as he works his way back from an injury, but he's not the 17 for the Newcastle Knights. The same 17 has been named. Connor Watson is named to start at lock after coming off the bench last week. Suaso Su goes back to the bench. Kurt Mann and Brabham Best. There's question marks over them, uh, but they've both been cleared apparently to play. Looking at the extended bench in this situation, if those guys aren't ready to go, Phoenix Crossland is there as a halves option. They could end up putting him on the bench if they wanted to and put Watson straight into the six and outside back options as far as centre are concerned there. If they lose Best, they've got Dominic Young, the young man from the Super League who plays centre wing, and Shibasaki, who's obviously played some games last year, so... Um, interesting to see what the gal is there, yeah. but what do you reckon? Newcastle or the Warriors? Knights. You're on the Mighty Knights. Gossip is on the Knights, and so is Dean from the Roast. I'm going to go the opposite. I really like what I saw from their forward pack last week, but I'm going to go the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, I like what I saw from their forward pack as well. This is a great clash. Uh, really looking forward to seeing both go head-to-head a little bit earlier there. On the Friday night, and hopefully, uh, weather. I hate that time slot. I hate it too, and weather permitting, I think it's supposed to be absolute soak bath again. So for Newcastle, they've at least played in this. They they might have the upper hand in those conditions, but I'm interested. Just a wasted game. Put it on Monday night. Yep, I prefer the Monday night. You know that. Friday night. Oh, sorry. I should do the odds first, shouldn't I? Uh, the Warriors, a dollar ninety-five outsider. The Newcastle Knights, a dollar eighty-five. So that one probably started as a pick'em, but the prime time game Friday night. Titans-Broncos, and for your mighty Titans, Philip Semi, he gets a reprieve. He's back into the side now with Brian Kelly out with a fractured hand. Other than that, there is no changes to the side, so Semi is in at centre. And for the Brisbane Broncos, Coates and Asiata were both cleared of any damage and have been named to play. We'll see what happens there. Lodge will be missing for a few weeks. Flegler will start in his place, and Reese Kennedy is the new face on the bench. I'll go Titans. No faith, though. If they, they want to be a lot better than they were last week. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm going I Titans. the odds will shock you on this one. I want to see better than last week, and they've generally got up for these games the last few years. But if these two play with a sort of spite uh, that we've seen in the past, the last few years has been you guys, but if Brisbane played it last week and you guys come with the same spite you've had the last few years, this should be a ripper. I'm, I can't wait to see 
hopefully Fafita and Riki clash. I'm pretty sure they're head-to-head yeah. on the edge the way they play. Um, this is going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. Dean from the Roast, he's gone for the Broncos. And Gossip, he's gone for the Titans as well. Looking at the odds, $1.45 for the Titans. Sure, huh? I am surprised. I thought mm. this would have been closer to a pick him again. Given what we saw in round one, but the Broncos two seventy five, maybe a dollar eighty, two dollars, something like that. Something like that, yeah. There's definitely some value there in the Broncos if you like what you saw last week. Um, that does surprise me. You are one hundred percent correct about that one. Early Saturday game, Bankwest Stadium, the grudge match, the doggies up against the Panthers, Barrett versus Cleary. Uh, we call it the Burton Cup. Well, that's what I'm going to be calling it anyway. As far as the Bulldogs are concerned for this week, the only change, Deets is out of the side. Jeremy Marshall King is back, and he takes the spot on the bench. Fatala Marano goes into the starting side. Uh, like I said last week, he was coming off off-season surgery, so probably a little bit underdone. Corey Riddell goes back to the bench. For the Panthers, obviously, same 17, no surprises. Only one change in the reserves, if anything does happen, in Scotty Sorensen. But what would you change that team? Uh, very confident in the Panthers to get Panthers. the job done. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Of the Panthers. Gossip. Roast also on the pennies and the odds for this one. Heavy favourites, a dollar twelve for the Penrith Panthers, six fifty for the Bulldogs. So uh, round two, you don't see those odds very often, but I think like we said last week, the way they got pulled apart through the middle, the leg speed of the Panthers, the way they moved the ball around, the edges that Newcastle got to gradually as the game got on, I think Penrith will get to them a lot earlier on the edges, and if they don't tighten up, it's gonna be a score. Yeah. That's what I reckon. Ha. Oh. Seagulls versus South. Good old Brookvale. Waiting for the old handbush at Brookie from Desi, the mad scientist. Uh, as far as they're concerned, changes for this week. Andrew Davey starting in the back row. Jack Kazuski goes back to the bench. Uh, Tenniel Paseka is the only bloke who got to keep on the bench. Uh, they've made a massive reshuffle there. Tolfoa Sipley, Josh Schuster, Morgan Harper all come on to the bench so heavy changes there Cade Cust also oh, sorry those guys are all out of the bench they've got Kepi coming in Cust and Paseca was the only one left over Cust had a massive performance last week Croker starting on there I dare say he'll see some extra game time uh, on the south side of things Mansour punted after game one mm, didn't have a great week yeah. last week Jacob Host also gone from starting back row to been out of the 17 altogether Jackson Paulo Back on the wing. And Colin Matangi, who I'm a big fan of, gets his chance to start on that edge. Patrick Mago is the new man on the bench. And they've cleared Thomas Burgess. Uh, Liam Knight has resumed contact, and he's got the 18 jersey. And I dare say uh, they wouldn't sell themselves short of middles if they're going to start Colin Matangi on the edge instead. They're going to be pretty confident, I think, that they're going to at least have Knight or Tom clear to join Mago on the bench for that rotation. And Arrow is obviously there as well. Um, but for me, Souths, they need a response. I know Manly South Sydney. need a response, but I, there's a lot more quality in that side than there is in the Manly side right now. And we're a clean sweep again, Gossip and Roast. On board the same way, heavy favourites, $1.25 for the Bunnies, $4 for the Eagles. Um, Cowboys, Dragons, hard to go off what you saw last week, but as far as the Dragons... Tom Payton has made no changes. Stuck sold there. Home's still on the wing. Drinkwater's still at fullback. A lot of people agitating that they think the spine is incorrect, but we'll wait and see how things play out there uh, on the Dragon side of things. Corey Norman comes back in 
the six jersey, Adam Clune, is out of the side, and the rest of the 17 is the same, but there's some question marks over Cody Ramsey after he limped off with that ankle issue, so we'll have to watch what happens there, but they've got Jordan Pereira in the reserves. Otherwise, I'm going to go the Cowboys, uh, just mainly what I thought I saw defensively last week. There obviously needs to be a lot fixed with their attack, but flip a coin. After what you've seen, I think the Dragons Cowboys uh, had a good 20-minute period, but I don't know really what to make of that. I think the Cowboys are a better football side. You're on them as well. So is Dean from the Roast and Mr. Gossip. So we're a clean sweep all on that side of the ball. And I dare say the next game, I know where your head's going to be. Tigers, Roosters. The Tigers have Dewey come back in at six. So Dane Laurie retains that spot and Bayer gets bumped back to the bench as the utility. Russell Packer is out of the side. He's in the reserves. Um, and as far as the Roosters are concerned, there's some heavy changes. Angus Crichton, one match banned for a crush tackle. Nat Butcher comes to start in the back row. Fletcher Baker gets a debut on the bench unless there's any late changes. He's alongside JWH on the bench again and Daniel Fafita. Jake Friend, obviously that concussion. So Freddie Lussick gets a run at nine again. Adam Kieran dislocated his wrist, so he's off the bench as the utility with Drew Hutchison taking his spot. And obviously, as I said, in that extended bench, the name is there, Sam Walker. The potential they've talked about, maybe a late swap for him and Hutchison. Lamb would push into the nine position and Walker would play some time in the halves. Would you consider doing that this week? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you really want to change your halves? But, or do you think this is a game where they sit there and think, well, even with those changes... There's the potential to get him a, a taste of first grade. Oh, I'd throw him on the bench. I wouldn't be changing my halves. But I can guess who you're tipping. The Roosters. Yep. And we're a clean sweep again. All four of us are on the Roosters. That's what I mean about... Yeah, it's lopsided odds. Like, early doors. Yeah. $1.25 for the Roosters. $4 for the Tigers. Um, you know, I think you look at what you saw last week. It's just purely on the ball movement and the way they got around the field, in particular the way they rated that right edge. If they are errors and ill-disciplined the way they were, um, it's going to be an absolute nightmare mm. for the Tiger side of things. They'll go straight and hard at both those edges. They'll pull them apart. I think the middle, we already know, they're always up for that side of things. But I, I don't think I've seen better skill. Like you talked about the execution of the catch pass and moving some of the tight short sides and the catch pass situations they had to execute there, particularly between Kiri and Manu. Their hands were outstanding on the weekend. Yep. Absolutely outstanding. Last one of the round, Raiders-Sharks. This one's had some bad blood in recent times. Usually a good game to watch for the Sharks. Jesse Ramian took uh, early guilty plea, three games for that swinging arm to the back of the head. And their yeah. depth has already been tested. Jackson Ferris has got a broken foot, so he can't come up and play. So Marwin Hiroti comes up to play centre as Ramian's replacement. Other than that, the 17 is the same. Fafida is still on the outside as a reserve, and there is still no Royce Hunt or Sasifa Talakai, who were big for them last year, on the bench for the Raiders. Ricky Stewart, no changes, and uh, no need to bring back Jared Croker early. They were very happy with Sebastian Chris last week, which is a good thing for them. Um, and yeah, like we said, Gula, Horsberg, Corey Harrow, guys that either aren't available, uh, and Tommy Starling, who was big last year, not available in the reserves either, not needed. So... They'd have a loaded cup side, I dare say. Mm. The Canberra Raiders with the depth they've got. Who you got in this one? Ah, oh, good question. I'll go the Raiders. Yep. Well, I'm on the Raiders as they, well. They didn't really convince me last week, the Raiders. but No, I think there was a bit of ring rust. But Sharks were good. I think there's a bit of potential uh, there. I'm on the Raiders, so is Gossip. 
Uh, Dean has gone the Sharks for the upset. Yeah. From the race. Doesn't surprise me. And the value's there, $3, $1.39 for the Raiders there, if you like the Sharks. But uh, I think we'll be a ripper clash as far as they like to get in a dog fight. There's a couple of guys in the Canberra pack that obviously like to get into a bit of a stink. Mm. Sharks are always up for, as we said, getting down and dirty. So it should be a fiery contest. Looking forward to that one. Sunday night, but any tips or thoughts? Anything you like, value-wise or anything there? No, I think my multi last week got up. I didn't back it myself, though. Uh, yeah, I'd be throwing a few favourites together. I don't know, what do you got? Well, South and the Bunnies together with the Storm, you probably get just over two bucks, I think, if you like those three together. And there's a few from last week I need to delete because I've not touched my computer since then. 234 if you power play those three. So Storm, Roosters, South. Oh, I'd consider getting a try-win combo or something out of the South Sydney game. I dare say there's going to be, be some points. Um, if, there's not a lot of value there. If Manly defend the way they did. Like Latrell Mitchell was 220. If, if you like either Newcastle or the Warriors, one of those, they're, they're both good at good odds. Mm. If you feel strongly about either of them. Uh, if you feel strongly about the Broncos... Good odds. Feel strongly about the Sharks. Well, last week, good odds. Tab had that offer for the Pappenhausen or Latrell, one of the first three tries, which just got home. Got a win out of that. And then I took Laurie's lock of the week. Laurie's lock of the week. That was, was my bet. Four favourites. Yeah, that was my bet. And it yeah. got up. And the odds in a normal multi were only like 230 but the Tab gave $4. Did so they? That, yeah. That's why I bet yeah. on it. I was like, wow, that's good odds for those four. So mm. you can only have 25 on it, but still, four bucks. Bang, that's a hundred. It's a good whack. It's better than $2.30 or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think that South game for me is one potentially to get ugly if they ramp it up this week. Mm. I look at that one. I don't like margin betting this early, but after the scores we saw last week uh, and a couple of the guys for them, I think Luttrell and possibly... This is your bounce back week. Like, you think you've got it worked out and then there'll be a few teams that'll just lay eggs this weekend. Mm. Well, like I said, there's two or three that I look at and most of them I was pretty much sold on. But I think Knights-Warriors is intriguing. I'm not confident. Titans-Broncos, I'm not confident. And even the Cowboys one, I think they're better than the Dragons, but I'm not confident at all. Those three in particular uh, are games I probably wouldn't bet on. No. The other ones, again, like we said, trying to find value is the difficult thing. Mm. So I'd maybe pick one you really like. Like I look at South and think, well, they'll definitely want to bounce back hard. Um, I think they're a better side than Manly. That, that's one I might lay something into. But there you go. Another week done on the fifth and last NRL podcast. Rate, review us on iTunes. Seen a few bit more there. Share us with league lovers. Jump in on the discussion page. People ask me about Supercoach. It doesn't kick off until actually round three, so I can still put those up for people to get on board and sort your team out. Plenty of people in on the tipping comp, which is always good. Compete with us and the listeners. Uh, hopefully there's some more interesting weeks in the first week. I think a lot of people got perfect rounds after the way things went. But Hashtag talk the pot up. Talk gosh. the pot up. Help us help you. The more growth we get, the more support we get. Hopefully we can get more content out. That's the plan. The more growth, the more we can hopefully do mm. around the craziness that is general life. Yeah, mate. Correct. But there you go. For another week, everybody out there, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 